In this episode, I talked to my friend Elisa about the pandemic. And the reason that I wanted to have this conversation is that it seems like no matter where you are placed in the world, the light at the end of the tunnel seems closest it has ever been. It seems like the pandemic could be over somewhat soon. And given that's the case, we just wanted to talk about how we felt what the pandemic was like. While it's still fresh in our mind, we haven't forgotten the details. I specifically wanted to have this conversation with Elisa because she has made some big changes throughout her life in the pandemic. She moved to a new country, got a new job, and she did the famous Santiago de Camino. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoy it too. All right. Hello, Elisa. How are you doing? Doing very well. Thanks, Beeman. So Elisa, I told you, the reason I was interested in doing this podcast is I feel like all of us across the world, we're all in different stages, but we can all see the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID. I actually got my shot two days ago, and it looks like soon enough, this whole pandemic is going to be behind us. And I thought a good thing to do before this actually gets is over is to talk about the things that we realized during the pandemic, how we felt during the pandemic before we go back to our normal lives and forget what all of it felt like. So that's a general topic I am thinking. How how does that sound good? How does that sound to you? Sounds great. Sounds great. Gives us a lot to cover though, because it's quite a complex topic to cover. It really is. I think there's like obviously multiple aspects of it, right? Um, There's there's been a lot of deaths, which which has been horrible. I mean, the numbers, the tolls around the world has been crazy. I think all of our lives have changed. The people who have been fortunate enough to be in parts of the world where it where COVID hasn't been that bad, or they've been on lockdown, they still have felt a lot of emotional toll. So it's it it just seems like every human being life has changed during the pandemic, regardless of where you lived. And I think we realize a lot of things about ourselves. So that's what that's what I'm gonna really start the conversation off from. So where were you when the lockdown started? Do you remember? <laughs> yes, I, I do remember. Um, I was in Paris, actually. Uh, I ended up uh, spending the, the confinement alone in my apartment in Paris uh, for many reasons, but the primary one being that I had all my stuff there. So it was the most con- convenient thing to do to, to stay there. Um, and I knew I had to keep working. So I needed Wi-Fi. I knew that I had everything I needed in one space and my roommates uh, were actually not there. So I knew I would have my, my space and uh, that would be a good you know, environment to work in. And one of my roommates actually was stuck in Nepal for a while when the, when the lockdown was announced. And we were given 48 hours notice in France to choose the place where we would spend the next two weeks because originally the lockdown was announced for a two week period, but it, you know, it's not a lot of time, 48 hours. It gives you just enough time to think, okay, this is happening. You know, there's more panic that I felt in the city. And so I think it's out of that panic too, that I decided to stay in my comfort zone and stay in my apartment. I do have this, this one memory of uh, the day that the lockdown was announced by Pre- President Macron, I stepped out on our little balcony. Well, it's more of like a, a window uh, ledge. 
and looked outside and noticed that there were cars uh, with suitcases on, on top of them, um, you know, people just fleeing the city. And that's when it hit me that this really felt like uh, a war zone in some way, there, that this was big, right? And, and in that moment, it really hit me that this was something very, you know, it's a, it was such a singular moment in the history of humanity to all be going through this more or less at the same time, right? Because you, you and I, where, you know, we have this in common, the fact that we have friends and family all over the world. And this was just the epitome of what globalization means, right? Like you said, everyone in the entire world was impacted by this in some way, shape or form. And I think that's what was really mind blowing is realizing that even though my family is back in the US, you know, our friends in Canada, all over the world, Japan, uh, you know, I was living in France at the time and we were all impacted in some way that was scary, right? And seeing people flee the capital of France to go to their countryside homes with their kids, you know, our neighbors were running out all panicked with their, their bags um, and the kids' toys and trying not to forget stuff. And I was just sitting there in my apartment thinking, okay, I'm gonna do this on my own and uh, I'm gonna make it through this even and take it one step at a time, right? Thinking, okay, it's only two weeks. And then when they kept extending it, taking it day by day. So yeah, that was where I ended up. And on the first a little anecdote, a little side tangent, on the first day of the lockdown, I actually um, really freaked out because I didn't have any running water and my Wi-Fi went out. So you can imagine, and also I didn't know any of my neighbors, so it's not like I could go easily figuring out, you know, who can help me with <laughs> these issues because they were doing construction on the floor above our apartment. And so the, what had happened was they, they turned off the water for the whole building without realizing it. And so I was like freezing water that I could find, you know, so that I wouldn't, you know, I was in survival mode. And I was also thinking, okay, if I don't have Wi-Fi, I'm going to have to find a way to move um, to a different place. But thankfully everything got worked out and my internet came back and the water came back and, and everything's fine. But you can imagine the anxiety that I went through at the very beginning of the pan of the lockdown with that. That is like, yeah, it's already you're looking outside, everyone is living the city, and on, on top of that, you lose Wi-Fi and water. I kid and you're alone. Oh my yeah. god, like that's too much to handle. That is crazy. Um, yeah. so how did it work out in Paris? Like they literally made the announcement that you have 48 hours to choose a place and you have to be locked down in that location. Yeah, pretty much. Basically, you had to show uh, what they call a justificatif, so like um, a document proving that whatever reason uh, you were le leaving your house for need was an essential, you know, uh, an essential need. So uh, it could be to go to the grocery store, but you had to put the time. You know, you had to write literally at the first the first two weeks was handwritten notes of on, on your honor saying, I am leaving at this time to go to the grocery store, or if it was a medical emergency, for example, that could give you, um, you know, the legitimate reason to be leaving your residence. So we had to show that piece of paper um, if we were stopped by, by any policemen, 
which did happen, you know, in front of the grocery store, sometimes they would just check, you know, to make sure people are following the rules. And there wasn't really the option to leave your house for any other reason, a really complete lockdown. We were lucky though, in comparison to Spain, where I live now, um, they weren't even allowed to leave their homes to exercise uh, in Spain, um, or at least in Madrid. So, you know, I felt really lucky that at least I could go for a run outside and, um, you know, get some fresh air that way. Because otherwise, if you, you know, you know how small the apartments are in Paris, uh, there are little holes in the wall and uh, you don't have much space. So for those who didn't have balconies or gardens, it, you could get really claustrophobic. So we were lucky in the sense that we could go exercise. And later on in the lockdown, they actually... Um, limited the amount, the distance that you could leave um, from your house. So I think it was um, at first 1.5 kilometers, something like that. And so we had to stay within the, the perimeter of that kilometer distance that they had uh, designated. But pretty strict yeah yeah strict. I, I i remember we, we I, I remember talking to you around the same time like i think that was the time where we all would get on facebook messenger and we would start those massive calls with everyone and we would yeah. just talk to all our friends at different locations and be like like what's going on how is it where you are and like you would just be amazed at the things you would hear in different locations but was that i mean what was it leading up to to the point of lockdown were you aware i mean Obviously, everyone was aware of the fact that there was a novel coronavirus that was like started in China and then it went to other countries. Iran was actually one of the first countries that, that got hit really bad. Right. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Was it when, when France went under lockdown, was that a surprise to you or were you just kind of expecting it? I mean, I'm just trying to understand from your perspective yeah. how, how it came about. Well, it all felt really surreal, right? Like, like for most people, once, once it actually got to that point when you realized that you wouldn't be able to go to a restaurant, you wouldn't be able to go to work. I think it all felt very, very surreal and kind of like a bad dream at the very beginning, especially. And, you know, there were, there were hints of it coming. I went on a ski trip um, in the Italian Alps with some friends uh, which, you know, <laughs> I say that casually, I realize now how lucky I was to even have that trip right before the pandemic hit. But we went in February and we, it was right around the time when Italy started getting some cases because they were the first country in Europe, um, from what I remember, you know, to really get hit hard and for people to actually start talking about COVID as, a, as an issue. And I remember that since we were in the Alps and um, it was in the news, we, we thought, oh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get the virus because the, the cases are, are going up in Italy, but it was definitely a joke, right? We thought of it as something that would pass, that was, you know, to be taken seriously, but we didn't feel at risk of, of getting the virus or, you know, it didn't stop our travel plans in any way. And then when I came back to Paris um, in March, we were preparing a, a big event because at the time I was working for the Women's Forum for the Economy and Society. And we had a big conference that we were organizing in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And I had been there um, in the winter and had seen you know, uh, the venue and everything that we were getting set up um, for, for that event. And 
you know, we, we were planning to have the event on International Women's Day, March 8th. And so that was right around when everything was developing in, in France with the, the, you know, red alarm that they were, <laughs> you know, putting out in the papers and whatnot. And so I think it really started to hit me when I realized that we might have to cancel the event because companies from around the world, you know, for top executives who are planning on attending, were telling us that their companies were limiting their travel and that they wouldn't be able to attend. They wouldn't because of coronavirus. So this was, you know, Johnson and Johnson, Microsoft, Google, big companies putting these policies in place for their employees. So that meant speakers couldn't come either in addition to their teams. And then uh, we spoke with um, La Sorbonne, a university, a French university that opened up a campus in Abu Dhabi. And they told us that they would be implementing similar restrictions for their students and that perhaps we would have to postpone the event. And I remember a colleague of mine, she had the gut feeling that this was going to affect the whole world. And I remember lo looking at her in the office and she's one of my best friends now. And she, she looked at me and I could just tell in her eyes, you know, that she was freaking out. And I think I was in denial of, of it getting to that point that the conference would be canceled and that um, we wouldn't be able to fly. And it was, we were supposed to fly two days after this happened. And, you know, it was interesting to see people's reactions in a work environment because our, our salaries, everything depends on gathering these people together in one space, right? And we've been planning this event for months um, to talk about gender equality. And in that region, it was the first time we were hosting a regional event in the Middle East. So it had a lot of, a lot of leverage um, for us to, to get a network there as well for, for future projects. So anyways, yeah, it was, it, I think it hit me in that moment. And then once we canceled uh, the event, uh, I realized that this was something that we, was going to affect the entire world. And then my family started talking about it in the US shortly after, right? With all, all of the restrictions um, happening there and in Canada where you were as well. I know it's, it's, I think we all had like different experiences of it of understanding what is going on. The interesting thing with me was um, that was at the beginning of 2020, I had started being very active on Twitter, just like following people, right? And it almost seemed like on Twitter, people were ahead of the rest of the world, at least the people I was following, because, you know, there was like multiple accounts that were just like following what's happening in Italy, following what's happening in China. And they were making statements like, this is inevitable. It's gonna like, this is it, like, the, like we, it's too late. Like no matter what you do now, the World the Health Organization. Yeah. you know what too. I mean. Like it's like yeah. there's nothing you can do at this point because people have traveled all over the. And I remember like going into the office and I would have like conversations with my manager and stuff. And like the difference, the contrast between what was happening on Twitter and how people felt about it on Twitter. And then I walk into the office and people were like, "Oh, it's just like the flu and it's just like the cold. It's not a big deal. And uh, you know, it's just going to be like two weeks. It's going to be gone. Like." It, right it, it was just it, yeah right? exactly it was just so crazy to see the contrast of the online world where I was like reading the tweets about everyone just freaking out like Nassim Taleb the guy that I always talk about the author of Black Swan he put out multiple papers talking about the fact that like we should lock down everywhere as soon as we can 
And then I would go into the office and everyone was like so relaxed. I was like, this is crazy. But yeah, I, I remember the, the same time period. It was, it was just like sudden, you know, like it was the one weekend where you where I remember going to a bunch of breweries in Port Moody. Mm. And they were starting to like do the whole social distancing and like clean after you when you were sitting down, but nothing like the province hadn't said that they were going to lock anything down. But that was the very last weekend. And then from there, they just said everyone locked up and the right, first so it was lockout. quite abrupt for yeah, you as well. I think it, yeah. it was abrupt everywhere, right? Like, even if you knew it was coming, you didn't actually think it was going to happen. You know, you didn't think like... Until the reality, yeah, really set in. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy, right? Like, we were all locked up in our houses all around the world, just having no human connection. All right. So, like, it, yeah. you know, like, what do you, we got, we all got used to it. But when you look back and just tell the story, like imagine telling this story to like the next generation, you know, like right, the mind will be, will be wearing masks for, yeah. for a very, very long time. I mean, at least in our lifetime, I think people will always be wearing masks when, when we travel and whatnot, you know, even if it's not mandatory and to explain to, you know, our kids, grandkids that it was shocking to see people wear masks. I remember that be, being the strangest part for me when I would go yeah. get groceries, it just felt like I was in a, a horror movie at first. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the first time when they gave the 48 hour notice in Paris, you know, the, the stock in these supermarkets were just, you know, taken right away. I, it really felt like a war. People are battling over food. I remember standing in the middle of this supermarket Monoprix and just looking at people taking stuff off of the shelves in panic, right? And like trying to fill up bags to bring back to their apartments. And yeah, it was definitely, a, you know, traumatic for the whole world. Like, like you're saying, it was very abrupt and how could it not um, feel, feel scary in that sense? Yeah. Yeah. The toilet papers, I remember there was some photos <laughs> from like downtown Vancouver that went viral because all the shops had closed down. Like, you know, they had boarded up their storefronts I mean, it was just a wild, wild time, you know, like because no one knew what is like what exactly is happening. And I guess there was just a lot of mass sold out so fast. All the like all the cleaning supplies sold out like it was just it was a wild time. So I mean, I was one of those people cleaning everything, (laughs) (laughs) you know, being super careful, even though I was living on my own. And it, it really makes you realize how important your living space is right you like you're the place you call home mm-hmm. and for you you know you, you weren't living alone too that yeah. it, it implies so many other things of just how you live with someone else um your your cleanliness your your habits your routines you know it it was really a time of self-reflection right mm-hmm. so so let's talk uh, about that let's double click on 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 that because i think we all went through that period right like there was a period of like I don't know the horror at the beginning that like what is going on and then it just kind of became part of our routine that like like for example for me um, before COVID during the week I would do a lot of activities I would be out of the house pretty much every weekday I would be either at Toastmasters playing volleyball playing spikeball or something like that and and then when COVID happened none of that was happening it was just logging into my work and then afterwards spending a lot of time at home and then when you're spending a lot of time at home at first, it was, again, it was just like I was following every tweet, every news about COVID. 
but by like, I don't know, day 10 or something, I was just like, this is, you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah, I think Every we all got a bit at, obsessed yeah, yeah. At, yeah. at one point or another, following yeah. all the numbers. And, yeah, exactly. Know, at some point, you were like, experts. this is, yeah, I was like, this is, I guess, like, this is not helping me, you know, like, th this is happening regardless, and me reading the numbers is not so. Then I had this free time where I wasn't socializing with anyone, where there was no, like, getting myself distracted. And it was just all, like, as you said, thinking about, well, how is my life looking right now? What's my living situation, right? And what do I enjoy? I mean, I, I think we all had that moment of reflection and just kind of being sent to our individual rooms, you know, as kids get sent to their individual rooms, <laughs> but like as adults get sent into your own individual rooms and really think about what's going on in your life. Did, did, did that happen to you? Yeah, I would say it definitely happened for me as well. Um, it came at a time where just like you, I think I was constantly on the go, right? Doing something every day of the week. Uh, cause, because, you know, we like being busy. We like, um, you know, socializing obviously, uh, but also being, being proactive, always on the go. And I think it was so important for me to just pause and think, okay, maybe this is happening for a reason, you know, like this is horrible, you know, people dying and uh, for the healthcare workers, of course, just crazy. But I tried to focus on the positive aspects of having to be by myself um, for such an extended amount of time, right? And I think I was also at a moment where I felt very stuck at work and I'm the type of person who always strives for, you know, professional development and I was lacking that um, feeling of being able to grow within my, my work environment. So I started focusing at first, you know, on, okay, what, it, what do I want to do? What is my next step in my professional career? And started distracting myself with that, but also building up a routine every day with things that would make me happy and make me feel less anxious. Um, with with the the situation so for example I started I don't think I ever told you this but I started doing um yoga in the mornings so before I would start my work day I would do do my yoga <laughs> I would have my my breakfast you know that's always been so important to me like starting your day off right really really transforms the way you perceive your entire day and and it really you know manifests what you want it to be I also started listening to, to podcasts in the morning, right? So I, I came up with this whole morning routine during the pandemic that I didn't necessarily have before, at least not consistently. And I've been able to carry that through to now, right? I keep doing, uh, maybe not every day, obviously, like <laughs> life isn't that <laughs> consistent anymore, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I do, you know, I do yoga. I have my breakfast. I listen to a podcast. I walk to work now. Obviously that wasn't the case during the pandemic, but I, I learned how to give myself structure without being too strict about that structure too. Right. If I was having an off day, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to watch a movie now. I would read a lot in the beanbag chair that we had by, by our window. And it reminded me, you know, how much I loved reading when I was younger too. And I think that's, maybe something you went through too, right? Of reconnecting with things that you really enjoyed as a kid that maybe you, you wouldn't have realized if the pandemic hadn't come along and forced you to spend that time on your own and, and be bored, right? I think 100%. I think we, I definitely went through that where it was just like, 
there was this pause in the moment where like everything had gotten canceled. And I was like, all right, so, so what did I used to do before the pandemic? And did I actually like doing that? You know, like even in, in terms of like social things that I used to do, you know, like I used to go to bars and stuff a lot. And I was like, do I really enjoy like, you know, like right. what do I enjoy? I enjoy talking to my friends, having good conversation. Does the bar facilitate that? No, it's just like distracts it actually, right? Because like everyone yeah. gets interrupted all the time. But like a lot of thoughts like that where I think I was just looking at different aspects of my life and really thinking things through because again, I was just so bored then there was nothing to distract yourself with, right? And I think we distract ourselves with everything, like the, the typical things like social media. But like, yeah. as you said, like on work, we just like, you know, we do anything not to think about how we're actually doing, you know, like do anything to just avoid doing a full assessment of what's right. going on. Um, so I think and that was you the- you need that time to recharge and recenter. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that's like, that's like the best thing that definitely happened. That was, that was for me, like the, the, the bright light and all the darkness that was in, in the world was definitely just, just having that pause and thinking, what is it important to me? What do I want to achieve? What, like, why do I think this way? You know, like you just had a lot of time to think. And that was, that yeah. was definitely a good thing. Yeah, and just appreciating the little things too, right? Like appreciating the small moments or the small things that you like, you know, like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, like meant so much more. You're paying attention to those things and living in the moment more because you didn't have as many of those distractions, right? I remember thinking, for example, that I hadn't watched, a, you know, hadn't watched a tree grow in so long. There was a tree outside my apartment. And I watched it go, you know, from, from March uh, to like May or June, I saw it change, right? And I had so much time on my hands that I could actually, you know, when I would read by the window, I'd look up and, and notice, oh, wow, the tree changed since yesterday, you know? And there's such small things, but it, it gave you, you know, maybe a new appreciation for those, for those small things like, um, like nature and just that one tree in front of my house, you know, just feeling that like it was really incredible that the seasons changed like that also right yeah so I don't know little things like that I mean I think those are the most beautiful <laughs> beautiful things right like enjoying the little things in life is a hack because like you're trying to be the happiest and be most fascinated with life right if you get fascinated with the smallest things like that's almost a hack like you know what yeah. I mean like if you watch a tree grow and you're you're amazed by it I think that's a win <laughs> I mean, you that's a, a little bit too extreme, but I just remember having this moment of, wow, I don't, I don't notice these things. Normally, I know. Yeah. You know? Like I, I don't notice a flower like on the side of the street, but now I do now, you know, even, even now in Madrid, I, I walk, I appreciate those things much more. And I think we won't now that the pandemic is coming to an end, I think we won't um, take those things for granted like we used to and especially you know, when it comes to you know sharing food or being in a, a big social setting when we're never going to you know approach those situations in the same way as before the pandemic I don't know what you think but in terms of like sharing drinks and stuff you think that would just like... well I don't I don't think it will necessarily stop it from coming back but I think we'll we'll stop and think wow how lucky we are that to, we can be at this bar yeah. or be at this music festival right yeah. um makes you appreciate it all that more 
even, not to say we didn't appreciate the, it before, but in a different way, maybe, I guess is what I'm it's, trying to say. It's, I mean, I think it was the first time that you realized that a lot of things in life that you thought were certain that were part of life are not certain. You know what I mean? Like you thought like seeing your friends, like going over to your friend's house was like, or just a certain being thing. Being able to travel, right? Yeah, like being that able to was travel, such yeah. A, that was such a reassurance to me. I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, when your family is far away, you know, at least you can take the plane whenever you, when you, whenever you want, as long as you have enough money, you can yeah. make that happen. And that wasn't an option anymore. So I think having those freedoms taken from you um, for very legitimate reasons, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, was a bit of a shock as well and made people sort of reconsider, okay, where do you want to live long-term? Um, what do you want to do um, with your life in that sense? And I think like in, in addition to it being a time of self-reflection, I think it was also a time where people started caring and learning about things that they might've not necessarily cared about before the mm-hmm. pandemic, right? So like, I mean, awareness of essential workers, right? Healthcare workers and their salaries. Like how, how are they treated? Are they paid enough? I think there was a lot of obviously talk about that at the beginning of the pandemic that is going to last beyond the end of it, right? As things get back to normal, people aren't going to forget about how necessary these people are to keep the economy going and keep our our you know supermarkets open and all those essential needs and um you know other topics too that came up were like um childcare for example um that's something I was thinking about earlier be- before we got on the call like childcare and and what this would mean for the gender gap right and so people started talking a bit more about gender equality and I even had some guy friends who started caring about the fact that it was unfair to have to charge money for for masks uh, because it was you know mandatory to wear them at least in Europe it was mandatory to wear them in the, in the streets and that it didn't seem fair to be spending money on something that was essential right and so then that started the conversation of okay but uh, you know women have to pay money for tampons and and pads when they have their periods right And so there's kind of these taboo topics that started coming out and started really important conversations, I think, right? Also the issue of race and how how the the pandemic really exacerbated these discrepancies and these inequalities. I mean, for me, the the social class discrepancy was something I talked about with so many people because there was so much anger and frustration about it. Uh, when the lockdown started, right? Who I was telling you when I was in Paris, seeing people drive away, flee the city, that's because they had a second home, right? These are the wealthy people leaving to their countryside home as if it was a vacation and having, having a blast while others are panicked about being able to get food on the table for their families, right? So I think it was a moment when, you know, that social, the, looking at the social well, welfare state structure also was was something that people started paying more attention to, right? Comparing the European sort of uh, liberal, um, still liberal market driven, but the, the the democratic social welfare state versus the more capitalist um, 
welfare state in the US, right? People kind of fending for themselves. In Europe, I, I felt very grateful that the government stepped in and was, you know, helping people with, with their salaries. And eventually in the US, things kind of evolved in that way as well. But it really started some, some really interesting conversations around uh, the benefits of generous social programs, right? And, and the welfare state in general. Do you think any of that has kind of stuck around or do you think it was like a, you know, like I think a lot of times we talk about these things, especially with the race issue, it seems like it, it's cynical. It comes up like a event happens with everyone talks about it for a while and then we forget about it until the, the next time. Um, how, about, how about everything that you just talked about? Do you think there are takeaways from it? Like, do you think the world is going to change? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with, well, that's kind of the reason that I, I ended up changing jobs in the middle of the pandemic too, right? Because I realized that as much as I was happy working on gender equality issues, I, I realized that I wanted to work more on diversity and inclusion issues, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion and sustainability as well. Cause I think that's another thing that, you know people started talking about more during the pandemic as well, like, you know, flights stopping and, and all of that. Um, and, you know, I really hope so. I think that's why I decided to go entire education to work on these projects because I, I hope that the next generation will be able to use everything that's happened and all these conversations that we're having to make it long lasting and really you know, be there, use these messages for the long haul. Um, but you never know. These are things that we've been talking about for, for decades, you know, or even I would even go uh, for centuries. And, you know, I, I, I started reading um, Sapiens by Harari, you know, during the pandemic. And it was a really interesting time to read that book. It had been on my reading list for you know, years. And I finally got the moment to sit down and read that book during the pandemic. And it was mind boggling what he was able to predict, right? Already without talking about the pandemic and all of that, but just the history of humankind and how, uh, you know, he was so on point about um, certain things about globalization. And I actually jotted down to two things I was thinking about earlier. Uh, today, uh, just thinking about our, our talk. And I remembered two things that really stood out to me um, while I was reading it because of the pandemic, uh, two really enlightening things um, for me. And the first one was that, um, you know, the world is no longer divided by country wealth, but by, by social class, right? He delves into that topic so much in the book. And how you, you have the elite and, and more and more you have this divide between them and the less fortunate and how, you know, especially in the US, like I was saying before, it depends on also the welfare state measures and whatnot. But for example, when I go home to San Francisco now and haven't been back in a long time because of the pandemic, but I, I've noticed over the past 10 years, just how shocking it is to see you know, these people working in Silicon Valley, these tech jobs and seeing more and more people on the streets, you know, they had this, 
this parking lot in the city uh, built with showers installed because there's so many people living outside of their cars and you have the this disappearing force of of the middle class that just isn't it's talked about in politics all the time, right? Biden talks about it on his presidential campaign. You have all the politicians talking about um, how this is an issue and what we need to do to address it, but there's no easy fix. And I think the pandemic just made us realize how urgent that is and how this divide between um, the rich and the poor is a huge issue because we're gonna be living in the world of billionaires um, if we don't find a way to, to get around it, you know, there's, you know, like the Panama papers too, uh, with like offshore accounts and tax evasion. That's just the proof of what, what Harari says in the book, right? How, um, more and more we're not driven by, by country regulations where we're ruled by these, ideas of, of the wealthy and how they want their worlds to be organized, right? And then the second thing that I had written um, down just that I remembered from Sapiens during the pandemic that had really stuck with me was also individualism, right? And he goes into a lot of detail about how we've become as, as the human race, how we've become very self-obsessed, right? And that's something that really resonated with me during the lockdown because I would go on social media and I'm, I'm, I post on social media too, right? But we've become so obsessed with, you know, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm eating <laughs> this dish right now, right? And we have, we've constructed this uh, personal branding obsession, right? Of who we are and how we're reflecting who we are. And I'm not saying it's all bad, but it, his um, chapter on that and how individualism is leading us to be, you know, very, very self-obsessed um, seemed seemed very relevant during during that time. That's, I mean, both those points are really interesting. I, I loved reading that book too. I, I read it before the pandemic, but I think especially the individualism part is something that really resonates with me because I'm Iranian originally. And obviously the Eastern countries are much more family oriented and right. not so much uh, individualistic. And, and coming to Canada is definitely a thing that I have noticed in the Western culture, how like everyone decides everything based on their own needs versus the needs of their family or needs of their community or needs of their, like, you know, their, their greater family. Um, I don't know. Those are, those are like, I don't even know what to say. You know, like those are such hard yeah. challenges that like. Yeah. Um, that's, but I think that has to do with, with capitalism in general. Right. Too. And that's kind of what he, he talks about in, in the book also, right. Is that the, the, the welfare state and all of that, it's all interconnected in the end, yeah. right? And it's all, it changes our mindsets and how we view society, how we view our families, how we view our jobs. Um, it's all it's all socially constructed. So anyways, I won't get into the- into No, the I feel like I feel like you're going down that path. Let's just go down that path uh, if you want to, <laughs> or we can we can jump back, but clearly this is no, a path that, like that you think about. To oh, today's about not the day, okay. Right. <laughs> economics and Marx, I think I would- Maybe, maybe go a little bit too far, but I haven't I think, had that conversation with you. I would love to have that conversation some other time. Yeah, now <laughs> for another for another episode. Yeah, or, um, or the, yeah, with um, Sam because our friend Sam is uh, very uh, 
into philosophy and economics, right? That Have you had these conversations with him? Um, not as much as I've, I've wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Hence why podcasts yeah. are a great form, right? Because you have yeah. to, it kind of forces you to talk about <laughs> anything that comes up. Okay, if you, if, yeah. if, if, you, if you don't want to go down that path, which I know you kind of want to, but you're preventing yourself from wanting to go down that path, <laughs> let's just take a U-turn and go back to the pandemic yeah. and go like in the middle of the pandemic when everything became normal. I, I, I just want to hear your personal experience, you know, like how you threw out the whole pandemic yeah how your viewpoint on everything changed throughout the pandemic well I think you would have a lot to say as well because both you and I changed jobs in the middle of the pandemic right so I think we went through a lot of transition both of us and I would say I I feel very very lucky because um some of the people I've met in the past year I didn't know before the pandemic and I know they're some of the most important people in my life now. Um, some of my best friends here in Madrid, I met uh, while I was doing the Camino de Santiago. You know, it's the, the trek um, in Spain to, to the city called Santiago. It used to be a, a religious pilgrimage originally, and now it's more just a famous, a famous trail um, to sort of like people go to find themselves, people go with friends to just um, do something for a week and and party and meet people from around the world. But it's really a magical experience because I I had signed up for for this plan with one of my Spanish friends uh, right when we found out that we were going to be able to travel during the, the summertime. And, you know, I had basically just just gotten out of the the lockdown started going back to work a little bit planned that trip um went to portugal to visit one of my best friends um and had a blast came back uh and then went on this trek with with these girls that i had never met due to this mutual friend and just being able to travel like during during the summer uh, within Europe, I think was such a blessing because I I felt like I, we were going already going back to normal, even though that was not at all the case, right? And to be able to be in in a different country and reflect on everything that happened in those past few months was so was so special. And getting to know new people and hear about their life experiences was something that I, I never would have thought in the month of March would happen, right? And then getting a job offer in that country where these girls were, you know, um, was, was huge. So I'd, I'd have to say, I, I just feel like I had a very unique situation in the sense that I had a financial, I had financial security um, and I decided I had even an opportunity to change jobs, right? It wasn't like I switched jobs because, um, because I, I had lost my previous one due to the pandemic, right? I was given opportunities to travel, given opportunities uh, to change cities, to, to change sectors, and to start a whole new chapter despite a global pandemic going on in the middle of everything. So I kind of had two weeks uh, to decide what I wanted to do when I got the job offer. And I just kind of jumped in, right? And I'm sure that, you know, even though you didn't switch cities, you also had that feeling of, okay, I'm just gonna jump 
for this opportunity. You never know what's gonna, it feels you know, scary jumping into the unknown, but it's all about taking risks, right? And I think that was something that the pandemic taught me, right? Is that life's too short to not take risks. <laughs> and I just uh, decided to go for it. And I obviously, I, I wouldn't be talking about it if I had any regrets. So I'm like very happy with the way things went. And, you know, Madrid is my soul city now. I um, It was definitely the right change for me. But I haven't talked to many other people who have, you know, moved in the middle of the past year. So, well, you've just moved to a new place. And yeah, still but that's not city. at all like moving from Paris to Madrid. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know you did the Santiago. You did the full thing? Yeah, you know, we Olivia never really talked about that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to talk we, to her about that. I think it's, it's really interesting because... Uh, people who haven't done it, I feel like it's hard to explain it. It's It goes beyond words because it, it is sort of a spiritual experience. I know I was talking about how it's a religious yeah. um, pilgrimage historically, you know, but it's also just, you know, such a metaphor for life. This is going to get cheesy. <laughs> I you know, it. like <laughs> you just, you, there's so many paths you can take in life, right? And there's all these different um, options that you have to get to the city of Santiago de Compostela. And uh, with my group of friends, we did the Portuguese trail. So we started in Vigo, um, the city of Vigo, and we went up the coast um, to, to Santiago. But there's also the French trail. There's, you know, a bunch of different ones. And so you, you, you start off, you, you, you know, I didn't really know the people I was traveling with. Also during COVID, the hostels were closed. So it was quite a unique experience in that sense because usually there's you know, a lot of international people um, coming from all over the place uh, for, for this trek. It's kind of like the Pacific Northwest Trail yeah. in that so sense. So where, where would you guys stay if the hostels were closed? So we, we kind of made our own hostels in the sense that we found hotels that would have multiple beds per room. I see. Um, and yeah, it worked out nicely. It was still very, very affordable. Some of the best food on the planet, by the way, Galicia is the most amazing region in Spain. Um, you walked the whole way? How many kilometers did you, you walk? So each day, we actually did an easier, an easier version because it was my first time. And I think we were more there to have fun and enjoy um, the trek more than making it, you know, people can step it up a notch and get really competitive about it and yeah. you know walk from sunrise to sunset and that's not really what we wanted um so we did about uh 27 kilometers per day if not more like some days we did 30 35 um but it's tiring right and and you start off you have your you carry everything you're traveling with on your back Damn. and it's it's you just feel so free because you know that you're the only one who can get yourself through this. You're with a group, right? And you you know that, you know, if something happens, obviously you can call uh, yeah. like a bus or something, but it's really all about um, mental motivation because you set your mind to something and you know you're going to get to the next city because you've reserved <laughs> the night there. And so you... You have, you know, some days it can rain. Also, in, as you know, in Spain, it's really, really hot. So you're walking in what feels like a desert at certain points and you don't see any cafes or bars and you're thinking, okay, I hope we don't run out of water. 
what other times, you know, you come across a waterfall, we went swimming in a random waterfall in the middle of the forest, or you're walking through vineyards. It's just that you, you realize that there's so many different landscapes in, in a region that is so small in the end. If you were doing it by car, you wouldn't even notice. So like we were saying before, these things really make you appreciate the little things. And, you know, we went uphill, downhill. It's like life, you know, you have like the, the really fun moments where you're like, you arrive to the town, you go get drinks, you're, you're like meeting new people in the town, having fun meeting the locals. And then there's those moments where you're, you just don't want to talk to anyone because you're just dying going uphill with your with your backpack. <laughs> One of my friends ended up in Santiago with like her foot was destroyed. I don't know how she got there. She had so many blisters and she was a real champion. But it's really a cool experience. And I think it was a really symbolic moment in my life to, to do that trek just before making that big switch because I had just decided that I wanted to take the job when I went, right? And so to, to have that before such a big moment of change in my life was, was really good. And I never would have thought, you know, to, to do it unless I had just, you know, told my friend, yeah, sign me up without, without thinking much about it. But it was very special. That's and we saw shooting amazing. stars too. It was just, yeah, so many amazing things on that trip. That, you know, like those are the favorite. I mean, I don't know. Like, I love, I love meeting new people, but then also having your own space. Like, you know, like that's why I like festivals because, like, yeah. at any point you can just go meet people, hear their stories. You know, and like that's just so exciting to me personally. But at the same time, you can do your own thing, like you know, like whatever. And I, what you're describing is like the next level of it, where you're just all going on a journey together and you're meeting different people, but then you have your own struggles throughout the day. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I am tempted to look into this and, and do. I think you would there, love it. Yeah. And then whenever you go to a small town, there's just like people who, like everyone is on the same yeah. track basically, right? Yeah, basically um, since it's so famous, right? You have, I should have said this at the beginning. Basically you have, um, signs with this shell symbol la concha that shows you where to walk everywhere right so as long as you're following that trail there's always going to be bars hostels little towns um that are used to trekkers coming through their towns right and they and they're always so happy usually it's in the middle of nowhere right so they're so happy to have people coming by and you know speaking with them and you know, yeah, it's such a unique experience. You, out of all people, you know, you love having conversations with people and getting to know people from, from all different walks of life, right? There's some people who do it alone, right? I met a girl who had lost her dad and she was just do, doing it on her own. And that's so crazy, right? It's yeah. it's like with the wild movie, you know, you're just- yeah. uh, Olivia did it alone too. And she has like very fond memories of like connecting with strangers, um, on, on, on this I would strike. love to talk with her about oh, that. Oh yeah, you guys should definitely it. talk about it. It's a, it's a crazy. I, I just don't like walking that much. You know, <laughs> that's well, the only problem. <laughs> this is what I was going to say next. You, who I know you love cycling, yeah. many people do it by bike, right? They yes. they just hop on a bike and they can do it. You can do it in a group. And there's a lot of people who pick their trail and and arrive in Santiago with with their helmet, you know, and it's, uh, I think you would love it. Um, oh, if you don't do it, do, you don't. <laughs> don't bike, definitely bike. And yeah. 
yeah, I, I would love to do that um, with you and Olivia. That would be cool, or at least a portion of the trail, depending. Hell yes, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. You know, like another thing about the pandemic is like all my friends, like we're all talking about these different trips once the world opens up, and yeah. I really hope we don't. Like, we don't forget how much we were longing for these things, you know? Like, I hope, I don't know, three years from now, when hopefully the world is back to normal, when someone, like, suggests something, you don't, you you know, like, you really consider that this is a unique moment, that all circumstances have worked out where you have the opportunity to do this. And soon enough, you might not have the opportunity to do this, right? You know, like, just being aware. Embrace it. Exactly. Embracing that this is, you're actually very lucky to be able to think about the fact that you can travel. Yeah. Not many people can do that, maybe even in your own life, in the circumstances that you will have in the future. Unfortunately, you won't be able to, you know, just so yeah. that's I'll always, yeah, I I just had like a, a memory come come to mind when you <laughs> when you were saying that, you know, how I used to work in Vancouver as a as a server at um, on Granville Island. I do remember the specific restaurant. Yeah. And I remember one of my colleagues, a fellow server, telling me. Uh, because I was hesitating of whether to go out that evening or not. And he said, um, Elisa, whatever you do is fine, but never, never um, say no to plans just because you're tired. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's it's one thing, like we were saying before, to say no to plans if you know you need to recenter, you know you need that time for yourself to like recharge. But he said, "Don't, don't miss out on opportunities just because you're tired, because then you're going to miss out on lots of things in life. And yeah. that really stuck with me because in the end, it's, it was what you're saying. Like we should really go for, for things when we have the chance and, mm-hmm. and embrace the, the opportunities to, especially when it comes to travel. Yeah. yeah. You know, like human, yeah, there's, there's like peak human experiences that you have. And I think in my opinion, I mean, I don't know, like just peak human experiences is where you have, what you just described, right? Like when you're going through the struggle, like when you're going up the hill and then at the end of the day, you're meeting with people for drinks. Like that's just a very human experience because you're you're struggling, you're meeting other people. We're obviously social creatures. And I think those experiences are, are very special. And I, I, I'm on this mission. Like I, I've been watching like Burning Man videos because I don't know if you've seen, <laughs> you have seen people talk about Burning Man, right? Yes, yes. Like the way they talk about it is as if they're possessed. Like, you know, like it's like that's another spiritual experience where I think until you go, you can't understand what these what other people are talking about in terms of experience. Yeah. I watched this like 30 minute video on it yesterday on YouTube, which was actually very well done. I mean, about some of the principles that they have that makes it so unique. Like everything Mm -hmm. is gifting, you know, like you can't buy anything. You can only buy, I think, water and ice everything else is free or you just exchange stuff and they have this whole concept of gifting where you're just like walking around and like someone will gift you something everyone has their own dance floors but all the dance floors are open to anyone so you can just like go to different whatever like um places where people have built dance floors and just enter to different groups and just meet different people and it's like yeah i've I've heard a lot about it but i I, and about you know the exchange of goods and not paying for anything but i didn't realize how how effective it was like i haven't watched any videos about it yeah i just generally Um, get very curious when people talk about something so obsessively you know (laughs) like like, yeah yeah people talk about burning man it literally looks like they're they're possessed (laughs) all right at least last question that i will ask you let's say it's um 15 years from now and a child who wasn't around when the pandemic has happened 
just ask you, like, what was the pandemic like? Um, what did it feel like? And what did you take away? What would you what would you tell that child? Well, they would be 15 years old, so they wouldn't be a child. They're a child today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enough to yeah understand. Comprehend, yeah. I would say, I would say that the pandemic was a time for, for me to know myself better because I, I, I've always liked spending time on my own and all of that, but that it was really a chance for a lot of people around the world to take that step back and think, you know, who am I? What do I want long-term and thinking, you know, about goals um, instead of being distracted by the noise, right? And so I, I would say that number one is, you know, that self-reflection um, point that we were talking about earlier. And then secondly, more, more as advice, instead of, you know, that first point is more my experience and how personally I felt like I really grew through it. But secondly, would be to tell them to to go, to go for what they want and to take risks, right? Mm -hmm. Like what I was saying before, to take those jumps when you do get the opportunities and what we're saying, even if it's, you know, small little things, obviously calculated risks, yes, yeah. <laughs> not like, uh, not like buying a Mercedes and, you know, throwing all your money out the window just because you want to, to go crazy, but like take calculated risks and think about, you know, how those risks are are going to work in your benefit and to and not being scared of the unknown right being being comfortable with uncertainty is something that i go back to all the time because as soon as you're not fully comfortable with uncertainty but accepting of uncertainty the better life is going to turn out you're not going to be anxious you're not going to be going from one extreme to another, you're just going to be going with the flow, right? And I think that's something that the pandemic really, really reinforced on my end. And I think that's something that the next generation can definitely learn from our experiences. Um, so yeah, what about you? What would you say? I feel like I cannot say better than, than what, you, <laughs> what you just described. It's like a lot of the same themes, right? I think it's, yeah. it's a lot of the same things. And I think you said it perfectly. Just like, going with the flow but like taking the time to like I definitely want to in my own life like every month or every whatever period take those times and replicate the same aspect of being sent to my room full full reflection um, so that I have the time to think about it and interestingly enough about two months ago my phone had a problem I sent it into the warranty and they didn't send me a new phone for like a week and a half or almost two weeks so I didn't have a phone for two weeks too. And that made me realize like how much more self-reflection and how much aware of things you are when you don't have the phone with you. Um, so that's like an added level of, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Of just disconnecting and thinking about stuff. Um, so I think that's just generally really important. I think that's partly why I really enjoy camping trips and going into the wild. Again, it's because there's no cellular data there's not much stimulus out there. You just have to kind of like, you know, look at the nature and just like appreciate entertain yourself in your own yeah. head. Uh, yeah, and appreciate the moments and it gives you time to reflect. So that's that's really important. All right, Especially for the next generation. Yeah, yeah. like a 15 year old, I think we'd have to tell them yeah, disconnect from your, your phone and your iPad and the TV because 
it's so hard not to it do is that crazy now. to see yeah. it like in restaurants and stuff like you know like whenever i go to a restaurant and i see like a three-year-old just taking a selfie or something <laughs> taking a selfie or like just looking at their ipad without a pause you know like what it, it just it almost seems like it doesn't matter where they are they're in this virtual world constantly it's, it, it is crazy to see or like teenagers on their snapchat it is wild like it is crazy yeah, we, we are yeah. lucky we are not fully digitally native, you know, like we're lucky we have <laughs> we're not robots yet. <laughs> yeah, we had the Motorola days where we did we know there was something yeah. else before. All right, yeah, I had go. a Blackberry when I met you. <laughs> I know. Great talking to you. Thank you very much for taking the time. I really enjoyed this conversation. And again, I think if the only excuse is for us to have a, a uninterrupted conversation for an hour, I think that's already a win. So thank Definitely. you. Definitely. Thank you, Feynman. <laughs> Well, you heard what our thoughts are. I would love to hear what's yours. Go to anchor.fm slash that random thought and send us a voice note letting us know what you think.